Welcome to the Education Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. As project-based learning becomes more of a pillar in education instead of just another buzz phrase, we decided to sit down with Cam Sadler, CEO of Newcraft, to talk about implementing this concept in the classroom. We are also going to talk about the kind of tech that is fostering this kind of learning and just how he thinks this concept might evolve in the future. Thanks for joining us, Cam. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Our pleasure, Cam. So I want to just start by asking you, what personally encouraged you to pursue project-based learning? Yeah, sure. So it starts with uh, my first job out of college, actually. I worked for a small business in Irving, Texas, and I was tasked with um, bringing this 20-year-old business uh, up to speed with new technology. So I had a great uh, opportunity there to um, integrate new tools and train people on those tools. Um, after a, a year in that business, um, I ultimately wanted to do something uh, bigger um, that had more of a sense of purpose. And so I went into teaching high school for four years. And while teaching high school, that's really where I kind of unlocked this uh, philosophy of project-based learning. And uh, frankly, like my first two months on the job, um, I was uh, tasked with teaching Microsoft Office 2007, and this was in 2013. And so I basically um, kind of threw out all the old curriculum, all the old textbooks, and I focused on um, helping students learn by doing. And so I would, for example, I would bring in a project every week, uh, such as this week you're a marketing intern at Nike, and your job is to increase the sale of Kevin Durant's shoe. And so the students would kind of fall in love with this project and its objective. And then throughout the week, they would learn all the specifics of uh, the tools that they needed to pick up for the class. Right, right. So for the uninitiated, Cam, can you explain what exactly is project-based learning? Yeah, uh, so it's the way we view it is uh, it's essentially a work-first uh, philosophy in education where you give someone a project, you give them a task, you give them a, an objective, and then uh, they they didn't know the outcome that they're aiming for. They kind of know um, what's at the end of the work that they have to do. And from there, they learn the skills that they need to fulfill that task. Um, this is very different than uh, sort of the lectures that we've um, become used to and just kind of spilling out information without there being like a specific objective tied to that information. Wow, that's interesting. So when you started implementing this, were you able to see direct results? What, what was the outcome like? Yeah, so it was amazing. You know, a, a, a lot of it, like 90% of it was them. Um, you know, this it's, it was just amazing to see what happens when you give people freedom and you sort of just provide like the very basic structure that they need of knowing what we're working towards and what our mission is. And so the students took that and they took a simple class that was supposed to be about learning Microsoft Word and Excel and they, revital, they revitalized the park next to the school, um, you know, using... Uh, the base, those basic tools that kind of push the initiative forward and to market the project and to get it funded by the city. Um, and they won like awards for that. Uh, we had four students uh, who earned full um, scholarships to Texas Christian University with those, with that project at like the core of, you know, their application and uh, their experience. So uh, the students really like took it and ran with it. Outside of the park, there were also a few uh, like small businesses the students created outside of that. Um, one kid in particular created like a, a on-demand shoe cleaning business. And um, instead of him learning like how to um, change the font in Microsoft Word every day, he was able to work on his shoe business and then use 
the tool and make it applicable to its goal for the business. Okay, wow, that's that's super cool. Kind of kind of makes me jealous that I had to sit through a bunch of lectures when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, likewise. So you mentioned it a little bit before, but tell me a little bit about this theory you have about how education and work will one day just become completely identical. Tell me about that. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's pretty simple, you know, like uh, the way we do education now, I think is fundamentally broken uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, one is cost, uh, which is kind of the obvious one where there's a ton of like student loans and debt and uh, tuition is rising and um, all the issues surrounding that. Um, and then the second is content, you know, so the way we deliver content today is by video and text. And um, it's it's sort of an, an unnatural way for human beings to train and teach each other. And so education and work um, becoming identical simply means that those two things change. You know, one, uh, cost changes because now um, everyone is able to uh, just learn by doing. And when you learn by doing, you're actually completing work. And so you can actually um, turn that into a plus instead of a negative. You don't have to go in the debt. You can actually earn um, on the job. It's kind of, you know, the on, on the job training that's existed forever uh, being scaled to millions of people. Um, and then the other big thing on number one is I, I actually think that there's a, a chance that education um, the idea of education will go out along with um, the sort of bubble around the finances and education. So like when the financial bubble in education burst, I actually think that will kill the idea of education and will bring about, I know that's probably strange to say on an education podcast, but uh, that will bring about, you know, work as kind of the centerpiece. And, um, you know, when you ask someone, what is education? There's a lot of like answers that you will get that are pretty arbitrary. Like there isn't anything tangible that you can really grab there. And so I think work will replace that completely. Uh, and then the second thing around content, um, you know, I, I think that um, more and more people will work using like SaaS tools and uh, technology and computers. Like we're going to work, you know, with our voice. We're going to work with tapping keyboards and uh, using trackpads. And um, since work is going to continue to move in that direction, I think it's natural for that to be the way that we train people and sort of build that that muscle and intellectual memory by using those tools. Right, right. And I think we're d definitely seeing a little bit of that, right? When when we look at higher education, you know, if we're lucky every now and then, you'll have a good professor in college that will kind of implement some of these ideas. But I think, yeah, definitely, especially in, in high school, I think this is a big problem, right? Because I think generally we're seeing a lot of students enter college a literal bitter, right? Just feeling unprepared for, for the reality of, of, of some of these things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like we, as a high school teacher, I kind of got feedback uh, on that from both sides of the spectrum. Like we would talk to um, higher education uh, professionals who uh, were saying the students weren't ready. And we would talk to elementary school teachers who were saying the students weren't ready. And then of course, you know, uh, uh, employers would express the same. And so like throughout the entire trajectory, um, it just kind of keeps getting pushed up and um, people aren't being prepared for, uh, you know, modern day work. Uh, but with that being said, there are a lot of still like really talented people doing great work. And when we talk to these people and we ask about their experience, a lot of it seems to come out of like these projects that they did outside of school and outside of university 
and kind of learning on their own and falling in love with it. I think one of the most important inventions in education over the last 15 years is actually hackathons, which is, you know, short competitive uh, practice uh, with a little bit of theory. And there's just so much learning and engagement that happens at those events. Oh, yeah, for sure. So like to expand on tech a little bit, is there any specific tech that you think is making this kind of learning easier or, or more possible? Yeah, for sure. So I think um, machine learning is going to play a big part of a uh, big part in this. Um, and it kind of comes from the uh, um, Mark Andreessen School of Thought, where, you know, there will be two jobs in the future. One um, is telling bots what to do. And the second is bots telling you what to do. And I think when we first hear that quote, it can sound like a really morbid future. But I think the optimistic version of that is someone who's like a top 10% engineer in the world uh, can tell a bot, you know, everything that they know, and they can share that information. And then that bot can train millions of people on how to be just um, as good of an engineer. And so I think um, machine learning and uh, building AI and then AI training people is going to be a big part of the future. And there's this, um, you know, the other side of that coin is that, okay, once we train AI on how to do this, want the AI just do it itself and replace, you know, a lot of these jobs. And I think the key thing there is speed. Like when the best engineers in the world can train machine learning and then machine learning can, AI can train um, people on how to be good engineers, then we just increase the time. Like you don't have to spend four years on learning it. I think it'll be more like four weeks. Um, and when that becomes the case, then I think we'll forever be able to stay ahead of the machines and we'll, we'll sort of win that race uh, by allowing them to augment us instead of replacing us, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, that makes total sense. So then, you know, looking forward, how do you see project-based learning evolving? Yeah. So I think um, we're going to see like self-generated uh, curriculum. I think that's going to be a big part of it is, you know, right now there are um, people who create the content. And I think those people are just going to be augmented more and more to where the curriculum can almost build itself after like the first uh, foundation is set. Uh, a, a concrete example of this is, you know, say a, um, a teacher who wants to train students on uh, chemistry, you know, they can, instead of that teacher having to kind of constantly stay up with what's happening in industry and how things are evolving and new technologies and new resources that are coming about, they'll be able to simply just integrate and connect with um, industry experts and uh, companies that are leading. And the companies will sort of share their data and the information that they're pulling. And those two combined will be able to automatically develop curriculum that has to be taught in schools. So I think that'll become a big part of project-based learning is sort of automating the, the content creation as much as possible. Oh yeah, I, I can definitely see that becoming a thing, right? I mean, it just really does seem like the the natural evolution of that, right? Right. Yeah. So my last question for you, Kim, is, you know, what do you, what are some of the big challenges to getting some of these ideas across, right? Because I think, you know, you and I are sitting down with the purpose of discussing this and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to hear you out, but what do you think are some of the difficulties that come with people who might be hesitant or, or scared by, you know, some of the, these concepts? Yeah, for sure. So I think, um, you know, the future is inevitable and there will always be, you know, some pushback on making it happen and sometimes rightfully so. So I think it's twofold. I think we have to continue to be um, bold and courageous and try to push things forward. 
And then I think, too, is understanding that we sit on the shoulders of giants, you know, so um, as as much as I um, think that, you know, education today is fundamentally broken, I know that there are college professors uh, who put in years of work and laid the foundation for us to be able to do the work that we're doing now, as well as teachers. Um, and it, I've kind of had a firsthand experience of this at, at the school I taught at, Dunbar High School, which is um, full of legacy, full of tradition, and full of honor. And connecting with teachers who were about to retire and had taught for 30 and 35 years was incredible. And I, there's no way that I would be able to you know, think uh, forward and try to push the envelope if they hadn't already done a lot of work that I don't have to do. So I think when we understand uh, both sides of uh, the table there, that we'll be able to push progress forward. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with that. And, and Cam, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I appreciate your time immensely. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.